Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Oh, God. 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday on this 11th of July. Oh, it's All-Star Game Tuesday. That's right. If you're a baseball fan, today's a big day. All-Star Game takes place tonight. July the 11th, day number 22 in the month of Tammuz. First Tuesday of our three weeks format. Uh, welcome to a uh, J.M. and A.M. broadcast. Greatly appreciate that you're out there and spending your morning with us or your afternoon or wherever you must or wherever you happen to be today after all unlike the old days now you could spend your morning with us here in the eastern time zone or really anywhere in north america you could be spending your afternoon with us in europe or israel and you could be spending your night with us in australia and probably a bunch of other countries that i'm not thinking of at the moment <laughs> so Thank you for being with us here at JM in the AM. 613 with Micha Mocha and Rachem. You heard the She Required. I was Acha Shawalti. A.K.A. Pella with Gam Kielach. Ari Goldwag, brand new with Home and brand new with Uvene. And Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Tuesday. We, um, we, we owe a debt of gratitude to Mayor Fertig, who's going to be sitting in on Thursday and Friday here at JM in the AM. So I'll thank him in advance. A couple of much-needed days off, I think. I think that would be accurate. A couple of um, much-needed days off. And uh, so he'll be with us Thursday and Friday here. There won't be a weekly update this week. It'll return next week, please God, here at JM in the AM. So yesterday, many of you may have seen this, and I have to thank my niece, the wonderful Tikva Adler, who is uh, not only tuned in and not only has already commented on the app, but uh, is thinking of us constantly in terms of material that might be important to enhance this radio broadcast. And I was looking for a good English summary, or a summary in English, of what happened yesterday to honor the memory of Sergeant First Class David Yehuda Yitzchak. And um, I think I found it. And this was a unique, to say the least, a unique tribute to him. Uh, His family did participate during Shiva. His family participated. They were outside greeting the group that I'm about to describe to you. And it was very, very touching, to say the least. Here's how Jewish Breaking News describes this honor of a fallen hero. Hundreds of Israeli motorcyclists took part in a memorial motorcade today as they accompanied David Yehuda Yitzchak's motorcycle on its final journey. Sergeant First Class David Yehuda Yitzchak, a warrior in the 
elite EGOS unit was killed during a massive counterterrorism operation in Janine last week. David was known to take his motorcycle on trips across Israel and had left it near Itamar, planning to ride it home after returning from Janine. Following his death, David's friends decided to honor his family in memory, organizing his motorcycle's final return. Thousands of riders from across Israel came together to take part in the powerful motorcade as it traveled from Itamar to Beit El. Now, I didn't even realize how many motorcycles there were in Israel. (laughs) Obviously, there are a lot. And it was amazing to see thousands of them and just how many people came from different areas to pay this unique tribute to him. It was one of those only in Israel moments. And um, his family found the strength to lead the entire group in Hatikva when they reached their goal or they reached their destination in Beit El. Again, one of those unique, out-of-the-ordinary, only-in-Israel experiences. And I wanted to share that with you here this morning at JM in the AM. We talk about the uh, terrible tragedies and disasters that often befall people in our uh, worldwide community, especially in Israel. And uh, sometimes there's a, a unique memorial that develops in light of events like that. And this is certainly one of them, to say the least. JM and the AM on a Tuesday morning broadcast. Already, by the way, I'm, I'm seeing on the Jerusalem Post website that there is a day of resistance um, that is uh, taking place now in Israel. Protests going on in, in a variety of places. Protesters have descended upon Ben-Gurion Airport. They're blocking roads around Israel. Um... There was actually an infiltration of the Knesset. I don't know if it was an infiltration, because apparently there were protesters who were actually invited in by members of the Knesset, uh, which is interesting. Uh, That took place yesterday. So um, the day of resistance is going on in Israel. I guess there are a number of places that people should avoid if they don't want to if they don't want to get caught in uh, tremendous backlogs of traffic. All of this in light of the um, Israeli Knesset passing a bill yesterday that the protesters uh, were not in favor of. The first reading of the controversial reasonableness standard nil, or bill rather, passed in the Knesset plenum 64 to 56 with plans to move on to the Knesset Constitutional Law and Justice Committee. Following the passing of the bill, protests planned throughout the country are expected to occur throughout Tuesday. If it passes, the bill's next stage will be to a return to the Knesset Constitutional Law and Justice Committee, which already on Tuesday will begin to prepare for its second and third readings. Now, I, uh, I, I always am confused with how this works in terms of the readings and eventually how a bill is signed into law in the Knesset, but the bottom line is this is a proceeding and certainly much to the chagrin of the protesters in Israel. Protest organizers announced ahead of the vote that it will, if the bill passes its first reading, Tuesday will be a day of disruption at dozens of locations, including Ben-Gurion Airport. The reasonableness standard bill is an amendment to basic law. The judiciary, the, the judiciary 
that would block Israel's courts from applying what is known as the reasonable standard to decisions made by elected officials. The standard is a common law doctrine that allows for judicial review against government administrative decisions that are deemed beyond the scope of what a responsible and reasonable authority would undertake. That's interesting. That is interesting. Proponents of the law argue it's highly subjective for judicial activism and allows the court to subvert government policy with its own views. The court used the standard when it ruled in January that Prime Minister Netanyahu's decision to appoint Shas Chairman Aryeh Derry to two ministerial positions despite three criminal convictions uh, suffered from extreme unreasonableness. Netanyahu was forced to fire Derry. Should the reasonableness standard bill pass into law, the Prime Minister may attempt to reappoint Derry to his former positions of Health Minister and Interior Minister. Wow. So that's what's going on in Israel. Um, not always easy to understand, especially if we're not there on the spot and living through the whole thing. But uh, the protests certainly are back and in full swing in a number of areas, including the airport. And um, we'll hear in Hebrew the uh, top of the news at the 7 o'clock Eastern time. And I'm sure that the uh, day of uh, protests or day of disruption will be cited uh, during that newscast. JM in the AM, <coughs> later on, <laughs> excuse me, later on in hour number two of this broadcast, we'll have a chance to speak to Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg. He is uh, responsible for Israel at 75, a program that we have here on the Nahum Siegel Network every single Tuesday morning. And um, we'll discuss the upcoming 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. Hard to believe, huh? So we'll do that coming up here at JM in the AM in hour number two. And a plenty more on a Tuesday broadcast as we continue here at JM in the AM. <laughs> Shiva, 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 Shiva,
When faced with a challenge, you always come through. And you've painted a smile on the face of a child. Helping to make sure that his dreams come true. There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart. A glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part. To reach out and touch it with love. So we thank you tonight for doing your share. For the gift of bright sunshine and fresh country air. But although that's a fact, you've done much more than that. You've shown these dear children just how much you care. There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart. A glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part. To reach out and touch it with love. Till next year, dear friends, till we meet here again. Let's raise up our voices and sing out this song. There's, There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart. A glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our Yeah, I'm
J.M. in the A.M. Ivan Siachtan by Bitachon to wrap up the hour for us here on a Tuesday morning broadcast. Three weeks format Tuesday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Much appreciated. Before the Bitachon selection, you heard 613 with Lo Yisai Ashrenu medley was done by Mayor Ben Dror. L'chaim Choir had Hu Yoshienu. Small Piece of Heaven was Cole Zimra. And A.K.A. Pella had Rananu to open up that set. Wrapping up hour number one, we'll do our news from Israel coming up. In the second hour, we'll speak to our by Dr. David Hertzberg. The 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War is coming up, and he's going to begin that series for us today during the Israel at 50 program. We will discuss that with him coming up here at JMNAM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Um, yeah, and it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world the web at AlchemSiegel.com and the AlchemSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Mayor Furtick sits in Thursday and Friday this week. Make sure to be uh, tuned in as he provides his unique brand of broadcasting during our three weeks format here at JM in the AM, and I thank him in advance, of course. If you don't receive our daily thread or our weekly newsletter, just write to Avrami. He'll take care of you. AF at NahumSiegel.com. Again, that's AF at NahumSiegel.com. Kalei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMNAM. המחאה נגד השינויים במערכת המשפט, עימותים אלימים בין שוטרים למפגינים בצומת קפלן. 58 מוחים נעצרו עד כה ברחבי הארץ. מדווחת כתבתנו אנה פינס. עשרות מפגינים מנסים לרדת לנתיבי איילון בחצי השעה האחרונה, ומאות צועדים ברחוב יגאל אלון בתל אביב. במשך שעות נרשמו עימותים אלימים בין המשטרה לאלפי המפגינים שחסמו את צומת קפלן בתל אביב, ו-18 מוחים נעצרו פה בחשד להפרות סדר, נוסף על כ-50 מפגינים שנעצרו ברחבי הארץ בשעות הבוקר. 
מטה מגן דוד אדום פינו עד כה כחמישה פצועים במצב קל לקבלת טיפול רפואי, והמשטרה עשתה שימוש נרחב בפרשים ובמכתזית. ומנגד ראש חטיבת הדוברות במשטרה שלומי שגיא אמר לאמיר איבגי בגלי צה"ל, אנחנו מכילים את המחאות. אנחנו כן מכילים את המחאות, שנינו יודעים שאפשר לפתוח ציר בתוך דקות, אבל זה גם יעלה בנפגעים משני הצדדים. אנחנו עושים את האיזונים בין המחאה לזכות התנועה בכבישים, השאיפה היא לאפס נפגעים. ובעקבות ההפגנות, דובר מד"א זקי הלר סיפר בגלי צה"ל נרשמים עיכובים משמעותיים בתנועת האמבולנסים. אנחנו נתקלים בלא מעט מקרים של עיכובים משמעותיים של אמבולנסים וניידות טיפול נמרץ. אנחנו פונים לציבור לאפשר את תנועת האמבולנסים שנוסעים בנסיעות חירום להגיע ליעדם. המשטרה עושה את המאמצים גדולים לסייע לאמבולנסים שלנו, ולמרות זאת עדיין ישנם עיכובים משמעותיים. לקראת המחאה בנתב"ג, 400 שוטרים מפוזרים ברחבי טרמינל 3. מבן גוריון מדווחת כתבתנו יובל מילר. כ-20 מפגינים מוחים בשעה זו סמוך לאולם הנחיתות בטרמינל 3, לקראת המחאה שצפויה להתחיל בעוד כשעתיים. עשרות שוטרים מפוזרים בתוך אולם הטיסות היוצאות, ובכל הכניסות והיציאות הוצבו עשרות רבות של שוטרים נוספים, אחרים מפטרלים מסביב לטרמינל. מחסומים כבדים הוצבו בכל הכניסות, ולאורך נתיבי היציאה מנמל התעופה בן גוריון. ומוקדם יותר, היועצת המשפטית לממשלה, גלי בהרב מיארה, השיבה לממשלה על מדיניות המחאות בנתב"ג ומסרה לכל אדם הזכות לחופש ביטוי והפגנה גם שם, אבל יש לקחת בחשבון את הייחודיות של המקום. גורם בכיר בממשלה תקף את חוות הדעת ומסר, היא מכשירה את הפיכתם של אזרחי ישראל לבני ערובה של מיעוט קיצוני. היא קובעת סטנדרט חדש, ולפיו הפגנות לתמיכה בעמדתה האישית גוברות על חופש התנועה מהארץ ואליה, תוך פגיעה בלתי מתקבלת על הדעת ממאות אלפי משפחות ששילמו במיטב כספן עבור חופשה שחיכו לה זמן רב. על רקע המחאה ברחבי הארץ, ועדת החוקה דנה בשעה זו בחוק לצמצום עילת הסבירות לקראת הקריאה השנייה והשלישית. מתוך הוועדה מדווח כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק. אחרי שהחוק עבר אמש בקריאה הראשונה, רוטמן פתח בשעה וחצי האחרונות את הדיונים לקראת הקריאה השנייה והשלישית בוועדת החוקה. חברי האופוזיציה תוקפים את החוק בזה אחר זה. ראש האופוזיציה לפיד אמר, הדבר היחיד שטוב בחוק הזה שהוא יביא לסופה של הממשלה. חבר הכנסת קריב אמר, השנאה והרעל מחלחלים לכל חלקי החברה. גם המשנה ליועצת המשפטית לממשלה, גיל לימון, צפוי לשאת דברים ולהביע את התנגדותו לחוק. עד כה לא הוצג ריכוך כלשהו מטעם יושב ראש הוועדה. מחדל ההפריה באסותא, בית הדין לענייני משפחה בראשון לציון, הורה לבצע בדיקה גנטית שתבדוק האם בני הזוג, שעל פי דוח משרד הבריאות, נמצאים בסבירות הגבוהה ביותר להיות הורי התינוקת סופיה, שנולדה לאישה שאינה אימה הגנטית, הם אכן ההורים. כתבתנו לענייני בריאות, הלור מאירסון מוסרת, שעורכי הדין של האישה היולדת ובן זוגה מתכוונים להגיש בקשה לצו עיכוב ביצוע ולערער על ההחלטה. מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
תכף יפתחו שמיים, כל שמיים שבאדם. ותכף יפתח הלב, תכף יפתח, תכף יפתח, תכף יפתח הלב. תכף יפתחו המים. כל מים שבעולם. תכף ישמחו שמיים, כל שמיים שבאדם. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. Our three weeks format Tuesday continues. That's the uh, Avrami Flam selection. Eicha. Kanfei Ruach done by Yonatan Stern. Techef Yipatach done by Yonatan Stern. David Kalish with Al Eila to open up that set and the 7 o'clock hour for us here at J.M. in the A.M. 11th day of July. It's uh, the 22nd day in the month of Tammuz. First week of our three weeks format here at JM in the AM, and thanks so much for joining us. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. I um, want to remind you that my Dr. David Hertzberg is coming up less than, a, less than a half hour from now. He's about to begin his brand new series on uh, Israel at 75 on the Yom Kippur War, and the Yom Kippur War 50th anniversary, believe it or not, is coming up, and we'll have a chance to discuss it with her by Dr. David Hertzberg coming up here at JM in the AM. All right. So that's what you should expect uh, during this hour right here on this wonderful broadcast. Uh, Benny Friedman is next. You're listening to a Tuesday morning three weeks format of JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM with Benny Friedman. Manavu is the name of that one. Before that, you heard the uh, selection entitled Venacha. Benny Friedman Whispers of the Heart, three weeks format here at JM and the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Or by Dr. David Hertzberg is going to join us coming up. He is uh, starting a series on the Yom Kippur War, which ironically will end just around Yom Kippur's Sukkot time uh, during the Israel at 75 segment. He'll be joining us coming up a few minutes from now right here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebner Yosef Levi and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Yosef Levi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. There are men chestavar in 48 ways in which we acquire Torah. One of those is that a person is able to be mekabel yisurin, that chas v'shalom, if there are afflictions that come into the world, a person can accept it with love. The Abba Shalom says, it's not being mahar, achar midos Baruch Hu, not doubting the midos of Hashem. The Medrash and Tilim tells us, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. The rod refers to Yisurim, pain and affliction. Mishantecho are the Torah, the mitzvahs that we have in life. The Talmud tells us that suffering purges a man's sins. When a person has any Yisurim, even the lightest Yisurim, it is able to be mechaper, it atones for our sins. Reb Chaim Balozhener said that a smart person will not wait for Hashem to send suffering. He'll accept upon himself the discomfort of Torah learning, the lack of pleasures, the constant effort, and then the yigiya, the toil, will replace other forms of suffering and take care of all of his sins. There was a poor person that used to come to the great Reb Tzvi Pesach Frank, and he would tell him about all his problems over and over again. One day, one of the members of the household saw this man coming and said, here comes the nudge, he's going to take away an hour of the Rav's time. When Rav Frank heard this, he went over to the person and he said to him, if this man was carrying a package with a million dollars, would you make fun of him or would you welcome him into the house? There wasn't an answer. The truth is, said Rav Frank, this man has a treasure of much greater value. He has a peckle of tsaros, a bundle of different things that bother him. According to Chazal, this completely wipes out all of his sins and gives the person olam the next world. Millions of dollars cannot buy this, so why do you make fun of him? The great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi once said, Shlosh Matanos, Nosan HaKadosh Baruch Yisrael. There are three wonderful presents that Hashem gave to Klal Yisrael. And all of them were only given with Yisurim, with affliction. Eluhain. These are those, Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and Olam Abba. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm.
משוך עבדך אל רצונך ירוץ עבדך כמו אייל ישתחווה אל מול הדריך יערב לו ידידותיך מנופת צוף וכל טעם. הדור נאה זיו העולם, נפשי חולת אהבתך. אנא כאל נא הוי רפא נעלה. בהראות לה 
נועם זיווך. אז תתחזק ותתרפא, והייתה לה שמחת עולם. ותיק, ותיק, ימונה רחמך, וחוסנה על בין אהוביך. כי זה כמה נכסוף נכספתי, לראות מהרה בתפארת עוזך. חמדה, חמדה ליבי, וחוסנה, ואל תתעלם. היגאלה, היגאלה נא, ופרוס חביבי עליי, את סוכת, את סוכת של אומרך. תאיר. ארץ מכבודך, נגילה ונשמחה בך. מהר אהוב כי במועד וחוננו כי מעולם. וחוננו Thank you. 
Yosef Kugler selection is entitled Kavodo. They do that uh, song in quote unquote a regular version, but this one, of course, is the a cappella version. Yosef Karduner had you did Nefesh Ashira Choir with Ana Hashem, Adon Alum, done by AKA Pella. And here we are on a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Well, uh, as you know, or by Dr. David Hertzberg. Does an amazing job for us every single Tuesday with uh, something we call Israel at 75. He goes through some of the important uh, history of um, modern Israel. Um, And today, literally today, he is starting a series at 9 o'clock Eastern time with us on the Yom Kippur War. The series is... um, the series is actually going to end, is going to wrap up a couple of months from now, right around Yom Kippur Sukkot time, around the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. For those of us who are old enough to remember the Yom Kippur War, it is hard to believe that it's almost 50 years. Uh, by Dr. David Hertzberg, who uh, was a long, long time Elementary school principal at Yeshiva Flapush is now director of the William S. Levine Family Shoah Institute, and he is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Hertzberg, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. Good morning. A pleasure to be here. I think it's uh, accurate to state that uh, those who are enjoying p- uh, present Israel, those who are uh, benefiting and... Um, enjoying the incredible growth and technology and uh, and everything that Israel has to offer these days. Um, I think it's safe to say that the Yom Kippur War was a very, very big turning point in all of that, in establishing Israel uh, the way it is today. Would you agree that the Yom Kippur War was a key event in uh, Israel's young history? Absolutely. You know, we all know that in 1967, where the was a transformative event in terms of the Middle East. But in terms of where we are today, really the Yom Kippur War changed everything. And I remember with, uh, you know, Victor Kalani telling me that, yeah, it changed everything from political viewpoints to how they mobilize the army and the tactics that they, and the operational uh, tactics that they use now in the military. It changed. It, it was the game changer. Let me, let me go through some of the, I don't know if you want to address all of these. We want people to make sure to tune in to hear your presentation and to, and to gain from it. But let, let me go through some of the uh, uh, cliches 
some of the observations that have been made over these last 50 years, many of which I remember as a young kid when the Yom Kippur War broke out. First of all, um, is it safe to say that the dramatic uh, analysis that says that uh, the enemy had been preparing for six years for the Yom Kippur War, meaning that the moment that the Six-Day War was over, they had started preparing for this next encounter six years later. Would you say that's accurate? Well, one of the big thing, major things that comes out of it, especially when it comes to Sadat's perspective, which really is the key perspective uh, looking at the Arab side, was about the Arab honor. And, in fact, the research shows that Sadat was looking for a relatively small war, small victory, so that the Arab honor would be restored and he would be able to go to the negotiating table from a stronger standpoint. So, in that sense, yes, from the day that the uh, Arabs lost the Six-Day War, they were looking uh, to restore that, and certainly in the War of Attrition, the Nasser dies and Sadat takes over. And he says he's going to go to war, not go to war. As he's building up the, uh, his army, he has this love-hate relationship with the Soviet Union. They're in again, out again. But in that sense, yes, it was not, uh, from the Arab perspective, after it was not game over. It was, okay, let's get to the next round. And to a degree, again, I don't want to, I don't want to give the enemy that much credit, but to a degree, he did take that victory lap. Uh, even if history shows that they did not win the war, still Sadat was able to uh, save some face once the war ended. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. Sadat did view it as a victory towards the end, and these are some of the things we'll discuss in the, uh, in, in the, in the podcast, that uh, when, when his tank go outside of the uh, umbrella of the SAM missile batteries, he, he loses a major victory, which gives Israel the uh, turning point in the Sinai. But yes, he, he did restore the Arab honor. They, they, they were able to deceive Israel. I mean, the Israeli leadership certainly helped in their own self-deception. But in that sense, uh, he demonstrated that the Israeli armies was not invincible and that they, uh, the Arab armies fought admirably on the, on the battlefield. And, and you speak to the generals and the regular soldiers at that point who, who were there, the veterans certainly will say they were up against a very, very committed, uh, tough enemy. Right, Dr. David Hertzberg is with us. He's actually leading a trip to Israel, which we're going to discuss in a couple of minutes. Get ready if you want to head to Israel at the beginning of August to participate in a, uh, in a trip that will cover a lot of this material and will explain all that coming up. Um, so the biggest, uh, uh, the most common um, a statement about the war is that Israel was taken completely by surprise. After all, it was Yom Kippur. After all, anybody who was there in 1973, meaning in Israel, uh, they saw the panic. They saw the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, how everybody was uh, trying to uh, figure out where to go, what to do. It is Yom Kippur, after all, and so many people, of course, are observant uh, in Israel, and uh, they were not exactly sure how to handle things. It was, it was a, it was, it was a chaotic situation. Uh, however, uh, in retrospect, would it be unfair to say that Israel was in fact caught completely by surprise? Well, the sad thing is, is that they weren't really caught completely by surprise. They had, a, they had in fact, now people sometimes straight try to make the comparison to Pearl Harbor. Right. But the comparison falls apart because actually they had all the information they needed, but the analysts 
in the uh, Israeli military intelligence led by General Zaira interpreted it in the wrong way. But if you spoke to the Chayalim that were on the on the ground in the Golan and in, in, in the Suez Canal area, they also saw what was happening, and in their minds, they knew this was going to be what? This, this wasn't uh, practice drills, this wasn't maneuvers, what they were seeing. So there was a lot of, sadly, self-deception and wrong decisions made right before the war, but it should not have come as a surprise. They had all the, all the evidence was there. For those of us who are uh, fascinated by the shift, and I think it's safe to say that there has been a shift in the United States-Russian relationship over the last couple of years, right? The war in Ukraine has obviously um, uh, strained the relationship between the U.S. and Russia. Um, The U.S.-Russia relationship in 1973 and where it was at that point was a key to how the war proceeded once it started, correct? Correct. Well, it became a it became a confrontation between the Soviet Union and America, and there were moments towards the end of the war where the DEFCON level was raised, and there was fear of a superpower confrontation at that point. Now, part of it was a misreading of a letter from Brezhnev. We also need to bear in mind that this was in the heart of Watergate, so Nixon was sometimes very focused and sometimes totally out of it. It was right at the same time Spiro Agnew, the vice president, had to resign out of corruption. So it was a really uh, tumultuous period going on, which did allow for the possibility of escalation, unintentional escalation between the superpowers. Right, but, but it, it would be interesting to know, and, and, and not only that, it's also the height of the Cold War. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, a, a, strange, a strange relationship doesn't even begin to describe uh, what the U.S. and Russia were all about. But it would be interesting in retrospect to think about if there was a positive relationship, if there was uh, a, an atmosphere of cooperation between the two countries, how different this battle in the Middle East would have been. Correct. I think that's very fair to say. You know, the Soviet Union was supplying the weapons to Sadat and to Assad in Syria. The Americans were supplying the weapons ultimately um, to the Israelis. But yes, had there been greater cooperation, greater communication between the two superpowers, they may have been able to uh, exert greater influence on the uh, local, the local politicians, the local government. And final, time. and finally, before we talk about the trip that you're going to be conducting, that you're going to be leading, and before we remind everybody to tune in at nine o'clock, just an hour from now, to hear your presentation about the Yom Kippur War, um, th- th- much credit is given to the United States for the weaponry uh, that they did, in fact, give to Israel to fight the Yom Kippur War, and eventually to end the Yom Kippur War, I mean, and and from a position of strength. Um, Would it be fair to call that miraculous? Was it, in fact, a miracle that the U.S., because a lot of people like to paint it that way, that it was a miracle that the United States responded the way they did and that normally or in other circumstances they were not as quick to help Israel militarily the way they did during the Yom Kippur War. How would you evaluate that? 
So actually, the American supplying of weapons is one of the most interesting and controversial aspects in studying the Yom Kippur War. First of all, there's the accusation that Kissinger was playing his own game. Uh, he, you know, he wanted Israel to win, but not, but not to win by too much, ultimately, so that he could set the stage for the negotiation afterwards. Then it's a big question, the, the airlift, which was miraculous in the sense that nobody else in the world wanted to help out, and Nixon really steps up at this point to get the, uh, the, the American airlift. But the question is, what exactly did the airlift accomplish? How critical it was at the, at the time? In fact, it seems that most of the supplies get into Israel by ship, not by plane. But it certainly seems that airlift, if not in the immediacy, the fact that America starts sending it, number one, raises the morale of Israel. There's some pictures of Golda Meir actually greeting the uh, planes at, uh, at the Air Force bases. Uh, so it certainly raises the morale. Also, that as the Israelis were running out of ammunition, they were able to shoot their weapons, and, and especially on the artillery, with greater abandon because they knew they were getting resupplied. So it definitely helped. The question is to what extent. This is the, uh, the historians argue over that. Hard to believe that it's 50 years, huh? Hard to believe it was 50. It's, you know, it's hard to believe it's 50 years. And the wounds, though, you know, when you speak to veterans, it was, it's still like yesterday. I, I remember this past January, I, I was in a cab uh, and the driver was a veteran. And I started talking about the Yom Kippur War. He was in the Sinai and he told me since that war, he really hasn't thought about it. He said, to me, you probably know about more about the war than I did. I knew the tank to the left of me, to the right of me. They were both destroyed. It's the war. I don't want. No, I don't want anything to do with it. So the wounds, the wounds are still very, very much fresh. Uh, the physical and certainly the uh, the psychological wounds are still very, very fresh. Unbelievable. Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg is with us. Uh, don't forget, everybody, one hour from now, Israel at 75, a segment that I can continue to get amazing compliments about, the fact that we present it each and every week. And now, between now and the Yom Kippur Sukkot week, uh, when we're actually going to have the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, uh, or by Dr. David Hertzberg, will be addressing the Yom Kippur War in this series. It begins today. Make sure to be tuned in. If you can't find it, uh, or if you have, don't have the opportunity to listen to it live, make sure to find it in our archives uh, to tune in. Um, Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg is director of the Yeshiva of Flatbush William S. Levine Family Shoah Institute. The battlefield tour that we alluded to is starting on August 2nd. August 2nd, they're going to be heading to Israel. Uh, they will be touring the Golan Heights and no doubt other areas as well with Yom Kippur war hero Avigdor Kahalani. Again, it starts August the 2nd. If you'd like information about taking this unique tour and being in Israel to see history come to life, you can email Rabbi Dr. David Hertzberg at dhertzberg, H-E-R-T-Z-B-E-R-G, at flatbush.org. Again, that's dhertzberg at flatbush.org. What other details, Rabbi Hertzberg, can you give us regarding the trip? So this is a one-day trip. We'll be leaving from a hotel in Yerushalayim. We'll be looking at uh, Talsaki, which is a famous uh, incident in the in the war. Then we're going to be meeting up with a Vigdor at the Emek Habacha battlefield, which is the North Golan Heights, where he himself fought. 
one of the most pivotal battles of the of the war, and uh, he'll be giving his own ex. And it's a fascinating explanation. I've done it with him, um, and and being there in the actual territory that occurred with the landscapes, it's just awe-inspiring and, and painful at the uh, at the same moment. And I'll tell you, Victor Kalani, if you've ever met him, he's just a wonderful person. Um, he can focus from being the most charming person to the most focused. Uh, military person. Quick anecdote: When I went with him last, uh, up two years ago, we were in the car together, and I start texting my wife, and he gets in that very general voice of his, and he says, in Hebrew, he goes to me, "You're either listening to me or you're texting your wife. You can't do both. I'll give you one minute each hour to contact her, but that's it. Otherwise, I'm turning the car around and we're going back to Tel Aviv." Wow, your <laughs> your first experience being in the military, Doctor Hertzberg. <laughs> so I kind of saluted there in the car, said, "Yes, sir." <laughs> All right, so just not to confuse anybody, this is not your traditional, you know, leaving from the United States and doing a, a week or two weeks in Israel. This is anybody who's in Israel or plans on being there. August 2nd is the day, and you could join this battlefield tour with her by Dr. David Hertzberg and Yom Kippur war hero uh, Victor Kalani, right? Anybody who's in Israel August 2nd should feel free to make arrangements to be there. Correct, and you know, email me and I'll send them the information. The email address, again, if you're in Israel August 2nd, the email address, dhertzberg, H-E-R-T-Z-B-E-R-G at flatbush.org, dhertzberg at flatbush.org. An hour from now, it's Israel at 75, by Dr. David Hertzberg. Uh, with that uh, continuing series, uh, today he'll actually start uh, the story of the Yom Kippur War. That will continue until uh, Yom Kippur time when we commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. Our uh, by Dr. David Hertzberg, continued success with all you, that you're doing with us, with all you're doing with the uh, Levine Family Shoah Institute, and of course, good luck with the upcoming trip to Israel. Thank you so much, Nachum. Have a wonderful day. More Bye. coming up at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Yo, 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 yo,
Sham and the Am, brand new from Maishi Tischler. It's called uh, Misratze, acapella style here at JM and the AM. Uh, that's from Maishi Tischler. Before that, the, um, let's see, what do we have before that? Before that, the Ana Hashem and Habain Yakerli, both brand new from Ari Goldwag. At least the uh, acapella versions are brand new here at JM and the AM. I want to thank those who commented on my post regarding the 10,000 shows. Mathis uh, figured out. <laughs> he figured this out a couple of years ago, then kept meticulous uh, track uh, from that point forward. Um, it, it is an amazing educated guess on his part. Uh, I mean, it's more than an educated guess. He spent a lot of time researching it. Anyway, uh, sometime in the last 10 days or so, I did my 10,000th JM in the AM, and I posted that on Facebook over the weekend and got a really nice reaction from so many people. So I just want to thank everybody who reacted to it. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it really was, uh, <laughs> I never expected the reaction that I got, but I really appreciate it. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, now Home Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Tikva says there's a heat wave coming in Israel starting tomorrow. It's interesting here, many of you probably have heard, about the flooding situation in the Northeast. Some of our communities have really been hit hard, to say the least. Anybody who was spared from that is lucky because uh, it was just, I mean, we're talking about uh, flooding that included as much rain as a typical city in this area or town in this area gets in an entire summer. And they got it in a period of a few hours. It was just insane. Um Anyway, so we're going to hit the 90s today and tomorrow, and then we'll be in the high 80s, it looks like, uh, the rest of the week going forward. I'm assuming until the nine days. Once the nine days start, I'm assuming it will be, we'll be at 100 degrees. Uh, in Israel, the big heat wave, according to listener Tikva, begins tomorrow. We had heard about this. Uh, they're expecting some really, really hot weather in the Holy Land. Um, on the app, it says, Good morning from Moshe in Mitzpeh. Please play an NCSY Kumzitz by the Maccabees. All right. For listener Moshe, from all of us here at JM in the AM.
beautiful home in Yerushalayim. Bezras When desert winds are blowing sand astray Sun's getting hotter The highest mountains block your view The woods are deep you can't see through You're losing hope you'll ever find your way Pray, the time is right For you to pray Up on your feet Call out his name This burden's not just yours alone each word you say Just yours alone, he wants to hear 
Jam in the AM with Moda Ani done by 613. 
Here in a three weeks format Tuesday at JM and the AM. Before that, the uh, selection from Tzvi Silberstein on Nainu. You heard Prey. That's brand new from Michal Przanski. The Maccabees had the NCSY Kumsitz. Did that for listener Moshe in Mitzbay from all of us here at JM the AM. 11th day of July. Today's the day of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That means anything to anybody out there. <laughs> I, I woke up this morning and I was uh, I was looking on my phone for results of who won the game. I didn't realize it's tonight. It wasn't last night. <laughs> so he can see how much interest there is. Uh, 22nd day in the month of Tamos. First week of our three weeks format here at JM in the AM. Uh, heat wave coming in Israel. Lots of demonstrations in Israel. As uh, we mentioned earlier when we were talking about today's news. A lot of people not happy with what's happening in the Knesset. Um, this coming Thursday and Friday, Mayor Furtick is going to be sitting in for me, and I thank him in advance. There are some people who have suggested that I need a couple of days off, and Mayor Furtick um, answered the call, so he'll be hosting this coming Thursday and Friday right here at JMNAM. The weekly update will return, please God, on the 21st of July here at JM in the AM. More coming up. It's uh, brand new from uh, Jacob Blumenthal, his a cappella version of Seder Ha'avoda here at JM in the AM. Shepasa, but now 
JM in the AM. Ad Anna done by uh, Achenu. That's the brand new one. Just came out uh, over the weekend. Seder Avodah done by Jacob Blumenthal. Modani was from 613. You're listening to JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Our three weeks format. And guess what? Full schedule today, including just a few minutes from now, Israel at 75 with right, Dr. David Hertzberg. He'll start his series on the Yom Kippur War. I thank him for joining us earlier. It was great to um, speak with him about the upcoming series that begins today and will end around Yom Kippur. Just around the week of Yom Kippur, it's going to end. So we have the next couple of months to learn about the Yom Kippur War every Tuesday at 9 a.m. with right, Dr. David Hertzberg right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Avrami is hosting a live lunch. I will not tell you what city on this... Excuse me, I will not tell you what city on this globe Avrami will be in for the live lunch. You'll have to guess that. Maybe he'll allow some guesses during the show, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And I thank Avrami. He had the option of uh, not doing the show today during the three weeks, but he opted to do it. So he'll have a uh, wonderful, no doubt, three weeks format live lunch beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And again, a big thank you to Avrami for that. From me and from everybody. Um, if you don't receive our daily thread or our weekly newsletter, make sure to write to Avrami. He'll take care of you. AF at NahumSiegel.com. Again, that's AF at NahumSiegel.com. JM in the AM. We continue with the brand new one from Yitzi Waldner. It's called Amosai. I'm 
Jam in the AM with Leif Tahar and Lule Hamanti to wrap things up here on a Tuesday broadcast. Three weeks format Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. I see someone just mentioned that tonight is the NYPD Hatsala baseball game. Starts at 6.30 at Maimonides Park in uh, southern Brooklyn. <laughs> I remember that used to be a massive event. Um, I think it's a free event tonight, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're heading on over there, make sure to enjoy. And go Hatsala and go NYPD. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web NachumSigal.com, on the NachumSigal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Tuesday here at JM and the AM. Coming up next, Israel at 75, where Dr. David Hertzberg starts his series on the Yom Kippur War. If you missed that conversation from earlier this morning, check out the archive at NahumSiegel.com and, of course, on the NSN app. At 11 a.m. Eastern Time, it'll be Avrami. I'm not going to tell you what city he's broadcasting from. You'll have to guess that later on. But at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, a three-weeks live lunch with Avrami. And I thank him in advance for doing that between 11 and 1 Eastern Time today. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.